we always see on TV or Instagram or Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, we always see when stuff goes south, whether it be an officer-involved shooting, whether it be an officer using excessive force. The stuff that we don't see is when officers do things the right way. And that actually happens way more than the other videos I just spoke about. listening to the black and blue podcast a discussion and celebration of the roles of african-americans and other minorities in u.s law enforcement your host on the black and blue podcast is dale peters a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business hop on board this black and blue train of interviews current events and pop culture conversations so get ready the black and blue podcast is coming at you right now all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black and Blue Podcast. I appreciate you for joining me here today. My name is Dale. I'm the host. Thank you for joining me each and every week. This is season two of the show. Uh, this this show is growing immensely. I appreciate everybody, all my guests, all you guys out there um, that, that are liking the show and all that. And uh, before I get into that, make sure you like and subscribe to the show on the Facebook our YouTube channel, podcast, Twitter, we are everywhere. So make sure you do that. And I appreciate you. But uh, my guest here, you can see him right there. That's my man, Ryan Tillman, Breaking Barriers, everybody. Welcome him to the show. <laughs> What's man, going on? Those aren't sound effects. They, they got kids. They, they back here. Got, this is live in front of a okay. studio audience right now. <laughs> So what's going on, my brother? I appreciate you coming on. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. If I'm talking low, it's only because I am uh, recording this from the comforts of my own home. Typically, I don't do that, but uh, I'm, I'm at home tonight, so kids right there is going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you got you to be on the low so you don't wake them up, huh? Say, hey, kids, oh, what's going on? I'm on the show. <laughs> I, I ain't trying to wake up for you. I know how it is. I used to have young kids. I might get the eye. I might get the yeah. <laughs> Well, man, I appreciate you for joining me here on the show. So I mentioned everybody, you with Breaking Barriers United. We'll talk about that as well. But uh, you are an active police officer right now. We both work out here in the Inland Empire, out here in California. Uh, tell everybody where you work and what you do there right now. Yes, sir, man. So I am a police officer. I'm a corporal, actually, for the Chino Police Department. I'm assigned to our quality of life team where we focus on uh, dealing with quality of life issues. So that can be anything that's homeless related, uh, ongoing issues with, you know, businesses, whatever it may be. So our job is to go there and just, you know, figure out if we can find a long term resolution as opposed to continuing to respond to calls and be reactive to problems. OK. All right. How long you been doing that? So I have been an officer for a little over seven years now, and I just recently got reassigned to this new unit probably about a month ago. So prior to that, I was on patrol for a year and a half as a corporal. Then mm -hmm. before that, I was a school resource officer for about a year and a half. And then before yes. that, I was on patrol for like four or five years. So I've uh, been okay. doing some moving around, but I uh, wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, yeah, that, that's how it is with departments. You move around, get some experience. Well, you were an SRO for a little while. I was an SRO. I kind of still am right now, but with COVID, they got me reassigned to the Detective Bureau right now. But uh, with COVID, it's kind of messed everything up. How how the schools out there in Chino, are they are the SROs back? Are, are the schools back? Yeah, it's kind of it kind of sucks, man, for everybody. They've been, um, they obviously, because there's no students in school right now, a lot of those guys have been reassigned doing a lot of Detective Bureau work as well. So on one end, uh, on one hand, it's good for them because they're getting that investigative experience. But on another hand, um, you know, it sucks because the best part about being an SRO is being able to interact with the students. And so since there's no yes. students right now, it kind of makes that job a little bit hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then with, with your assignment right now, how's that working with uh, with COVID? How's, how's that affected that? Uh, my assignment has been good. I mean, there's really no change there. I mean, homelessness is homelessness, yeah. COVID or not. So, uh, so we've been good there. Um, so we've been moving, man. It's definitely been moving and we're just trying to, trying to keep one foot in front of the other. That's for sure. 
All right, cool, cool. So you've been, you said you were a police officer for uh, for seven years. Uh, what what made you want to get into law enforcement? Is that like something that you always wanted to do, or how did that work out for yeah, you? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. So I had no aspirations of becoming a police officer. Uh, growing up, you know, I went, grew up in Rialto, went to Rialto High School, and then I went on to college, played football in college. And my goals coming out of college were to go out there and be an entrepreneur, run my own business. And so um, once I graduated from college, moved back home, met my wife. And uh, at the time, I was working for Abercrombie & Fitch and then trying to start little small businesses here and there. And those things weren't panning out. So then I also started selling insurance. And, you know, that was up and down. And so at the time, my wife uh, and I had found out we were pregnant with our first child. So then I was just like, you know what? I can't be doing what I'm doing uh, now in order to support a child. So my dad's friend at the time, he worked for uh, Ontario Police Department as a ca- uh, captain. And uh, he was trying to recruit me. He said, hey, you should be a police officer. And I was like, no, no, I'm not working for the man. I'm not doing it, uh, none of that. Uh-huh. You know, pig. Because, uh, you know, based on some of the bad interactions I had in my past. And so long story short, man, I was like, you know what? I prayed about it. I'm a I'm a godly man. And, and I put my spirituality part first. And so prayed about it. And the door just kind of flew open from there. So uh, got into uh, got hired by Chino Police Department. They sent me to an academy, uh, graduated like number two overall and then made it back to. Uh, my FTO program, and I still wasn't sure if this is what I wanted to do. I was like, man, wow. like I just feel like every time I pull somebody over, I was like, I feel like I'm messing with them. So yeah. um, it wasn't until I got off on my own as a solo police officer that I was like, you know what? Like, I, I understand uh, why police officers are needed. And so uh, uh, I, I embraced it. And then that's when I realized, like, you know, I need to go out there and educate people what law enforcement truly is because I got to see things from a different lens. So that's kind of how I got to be a police officer and, and started breaking barriers United. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like y- your story sounded like those movies, um, like the, uh, the, like the fighting movies or the, the karate movies where they're, they're taught a skill, but they can't really embrace it. Cause you know, until some, something magical happens or they have some epiphany, then now they got the chi. Now they know, <laughs> now they know how to go out and, and handle those skills. I found my chi. <laughs> Absolutely. I found yeah. my chi and let it ride. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's what's up. Or or you ever see? Uh, it's probably uh, too old for you. But the last dragon. You ever see that one? Come on, man! <laughs> bullets with his teeth. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Leroy. Yeah. So yeah. Bruce Leroy. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he uh he found his chi, and it sounds like you did that as well. And then uh you you said you were working for Abercrombie and Fitch for a little bit. So I, I know you got a little bit of style and all that, but. Uh, <laughs> You were trying to be uh, an of entrepreneur. Course, of course. Of course, of course. Know. Trying to be, yes. <laughs> trying to be an entrepreneur. And then uh, you, you got this Breaking Barriers United. What's all that about? Tell everybody. So Breaking Barriers United was started for the sole purpose of bridging that gap between law enforcement and the community. And the only reason I did it was because when my uh, viewpoint and perception of law enforcement changed, I realized that it can change for others. But the only way I was only going to be able to change that is by going out there and being transparent and educating people about why police officers do what we do. You know, prior to law enforcement, nobody really told me what police officers do or why they do it. You know, only thing I knew about police was what I saw on TV or those bad interactions that I had with them. And those interactions were just small interactions, but where officers were just super disrespectful to me or somebody in my family. And so I started realizing, like, you know what? I need to go out here and show people what law enforcement truly is. And so I uh, started going into churches and schools and just doing a presentation about who I was, um, why I got into law enforcement. And then I started putting people through uh, scenarios as police officers. And I really started to see people's viewpoints and, and perception change. And so that kind of just, you know, snowballed into a whole bunch of other things that I realized, man, you know, my, my initial desire was to go out there and run a business. And here I was running a business still as a police officer. So it's kind of funny how God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. How was that reception when you first started doing that? I mean, getting into these uh, churches and schools and all that. How, how was the reception on that? Surprisingly, it was good. And I think it was good only because I came to them as Ryan Tillman. I didn't come to them as police officer Tillman. Okay. And I think for far too long in our profession, you know, when we try to educate people or we try to go into schools or do whatever it is, we come in there as officer, whoever it is. And so we lead with the officer as opposed to just leading with ourselves. So I just made it a focus to lead with me 
And then um, the byproduct of that was, man, like this is dude Ryan is kind of cool. Uh, and he just so happens to be an officer. So then people started to see similarities in myself uh, and, and each other. And then that's kind of when it was like, you know what? Um, they took to that really well. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, you kind of open people's eyes to what, you know, we as law enforcement see and what we do, why we do what we're doing. And then uh, they kind of see that. But then you get to see their perspective as well. Do you ever have other officers come out and kind of sit in on it as well and kind of see the the public side of things? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've had that happen a few times. As a matter of fact, I would I would actually get officers involved in the role playing because I wanted them to be able to interact with uh, the audience as well. And uh, it was great because at the end of it, we did like a, almost like a symposium where we would have, you know, the officers answers questions that were fielded by the the audience and things like that. And so uh, it ended up turning out to be a very educational event. But not only that, it was a lot of healing tied to it. So uh, yeah. with that healing, I realized like, man, like we can really change people's per, uh, per- perception one person at a time. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff that happened over the summer with BLM and Brianna and George Floyd and all that uh, happened during COVID as well. So um, I'm sure you couldn't get out to the to do those events since then. But, you know, um, have you have you been able to, to do any events since uh, since those events? Yeah, I have. So I, I've uh, actually been doing it virtually. Uh, I actually did uh, one this morning and I did one yesterday morning. So and I have another I think I have another four more by the end of the month. Um, so I still been able to do it. I just been doing it virtually and it's still been equally successful. Uh, it sucks because I can't be there in person and I, yeah. you know, I, I thrive on that human interaction, but for now, um, I, the message can needed to continue to move forward. And so, you know, sometimes you just got to pivot in life and when, you know, when somebody gives you lemons, you make lemonade and that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you keep it 100 when you do these things as well. You tell it like it is, uh, whether, you know, the police are right or the police are wrong, right? Absolutely. You have to. And, and you know, it's not, it's not it hasn't been the popular thing to do sometimes amongst both sides, whether mm-hmm. it's somebody in the public or whether it's somebody in law enforcement. Example, like when I talked about the Breonna Taylor uh, situation, there were a lot of people in the community, in our, in the, especially in the black community, that didn't want to hear what I had to say. Um, but then, you know, I call out cops. I just called out some cops the other day that were making some racial and bigotry remarks and, uh, you know, they need to be called out. And so the only way we true way that we can bridge the gap is by being able to acknowledge our wrong. And then, uh, once we are able to acknowledge our own wrong, then the community can take us a little bit more serious and, uh, and then we can start to move forward on that journey together. So it's, it's a, it's a necessity to make sure that we call out the bad within the profession. And historically speaking, and I get it too, a lot of people think I don't get it or I'm insensitive to it. But, you know, you, you and I were both officers. So at any given time, we can go out tomorrow and be involved in a controversial shooting yeah. or whatever it may be. And so with the moment that happens, you know, it kind of puts me on the forefront because I'm the one that's been saying all this stuff or whatever it may be. And I can now be, you know, critiqued. But you know, I, I'm a former athlete. I played football and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of times when I, after the game of football, what's the first thing you go do on Monday morning, you go back and watch your, your highlight tape or your game tape. And you're not watching it to watch how successful you are. You're watching to see where the mistakes that you did and how we can improve. And so what I do, I don't like to call it Monday morning quarterbacking. I like to say, Hey, you know, it's education through evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we kind of do in law enforcement as well. We watch a lot of those training videos, we, of those uh, videos for training purposes so that we can see, you know, what the officers did right, what they did, you know, they could have done better in those situations so that when we come upon them, uh, we don't make the same mistakes or, or we could just do something a little bit different. So it's kind of like what you're talking about there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you said, you know, in your, in your past, you've had some run-ins with police. Um yeah, did that have anything to do with you? You know, being in your neighborhood, you being black, uh, being African American. What were those situations like for you growing up? You know, I don't. I don't think it was necessarily because I was black. And you know, I've had this conversation with a few people. You know, do you think that you've been discriminated against because you're black or whatever it may be? And my answer to them is like, is it a possibility? Yes, but how can I prove that? And that's that's the burden. And that's the hard part is like, how can we actually prove that the discrimination is because I'm black or because of I'm this or whatever? And so, you know, because it could be a whole bunch of other things. You know, somebody's hating on you. You know, I've had that happen many of times. And yep. so although I know I've been discriminated against, 
whether it's because somebody's hating on me, whether it's because of the color of my skin, uh, I've chose to embrace it, embrace the adversity, uh, allow it to fuel my fire. So that way I can go out there and ultimately get me to my destination. And there's this, there's always this talk about discrimination and, you know, all this stuff because of the color of my skin. And, and don't get me wrong, like racism still exists. I just posted a video yesterday about some racist chief in, 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 in uh, Georgia. So we can't be, you know, naive to think that it doesn't exist, but we can't le- allow it to be a hindrance or um, something that cripples you from moving to where you need to go. Yeah, that part, that part right there. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned social media that you post. You, you're pretty big on social media and, and you post a lot of these things uh, on your pages, uh, you, mostly Instagram. You, you do Twitter and, and Facebook, too. And, and you, you do any TikToks. That's what I want to know. You do any TikToks. Man, so you know what's funny is I have a TikTok account and uh it it had blew up when I first started. I had like 175,000 followers. Uh, but I ain't made a TikTok in probably like six months. And so oh. I do have a TikTok. I need to get back on it. I was on it tough, man. But yeah, uh, I just stopped. Yeah, mo- the most place I usually uh, am on is, is Instagram for the most part. I'm on Twitter very little. I'm usually the only reason I'm on Twitter is so that way I can make a post on there so I can cross post it to Instagram. And right. I'm also on YouTube. I think we have about like 20, almost 25,000 subscribers on YouTube. So, okay. Yeah. You got to get that message. The old people website. <laughs> the old people website. Now the old people website was MySpace. <laughs> it was. That's yeah. That came out when I was in high school. I always call Facebook the old people website though, because when I do my presentation in the schools, yeah. if I, when I ask them if they're on Facebook, they look at me like I cussed at them or something. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. I got a high schooler and one that just graduated. So I know they don't know nothing about Facebook. Mm-hmm. They, they all over. <laughs> My daughter, she's all over. Uh, she don't even do Instagram. She does a little bit, but uh, it's TikToks. Up in the mirror doing oh, yeah, all right, that, you know, whatever they're the doing. Yeah, that, that, that ain't me. That ain't me. So, yeah, you kind of got away from TikTok because you're doing more informational stuff and TikTok's not really for the for the information. It's about fun and all that type of stuff. So, entertainment, yep. Yeah, entertainment. You gotta you gotta keep it uh light over there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, but you you like to keep it light. And uh, you know, I got something to show uh how you you came to fame, how you kept it light in the first place. Uh everybody check this out here, what we got here. So what was that about? Man, good times, man. That that was a memory that will last forever. So uh, like I said, I did a stint as a school resource officer, and that was probably one of the most valuable positions I ever had, man, just because I truly got to see the impact that I left on the students on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I dealt with kids that had suicidal ideations, depression, um, kids that were going through uh, drug addiction, whatever it may be. And so every single day I got to make an impact on those students. And so when I got promoted to corporal, 
um, you know, one of my things that had to happen was I had to leave the school and go back to the street. And so, uh, usually when you do a, a SRO stint, it's about, you know, four years long, the, the, the life of the freshman class all the way through their senior year. And I had only did a year and a half, but that year and a half was probably the funnest time I've ever had. And so mm-hmm. I needed to go out with the bang. So I was like, you know, what better way to go out with the bang than do what I love to do most, which is dance. And so I, was yeah. like, I did a choreographed dance with the team and, and that's what happened. So how, how did that come about? Did they approach you? Did you approach them? How did that happen? No, I approached them. I approached them. I had said, uh, when I found out that I was going to be leaving, uh, I had told the principal, I was really close to the whole staff. And I said, hey, mm-hmm. you know, they were all sad when they found out that I was going to be leaving. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be leaving. The students don't know yet. And they're probably going to be disappointed uh, just because you can get it. I mean, you know, as SRO, you know, yeah. you can get a vibe whether or not your students like you or not. And so I think the students really really liked me a lot. So um, I, I approached the dance team. I thought about what I wanted to do. I approached the dance team. I said, hey, let's do a choreographed dance. So I, I'll, I'll, announce, I'll announce that I'm going to be leaving the school. And then right after that, I'm going to give them one last memory so they'll never forget it. And that's kind of that's kind of what that was. Yeah, that was dope. That was dope. All right. Now, how long did that take to put that together, though? Surprisingly, two weeks. Uh, okay. Surprisingly. And it really wasn't even a full two weeks either. So um, you know, I've always loved to dance. So you just kind of showed me something a few times and I'll kind of just get it, you know, <laughs> certain things. There's, there's certain, some of these new TikTok dances, man, I can't keep up. I'm like, man, right. I've been practicing that for, <laughs> for years and we still won't yeah. get it. So yeah, I yeah. kept it basic. I kept it real basic. <laughs> nah, that, that, that was good, man. And, and, and that went viral and, uh, you know, a lot of people picked up on that and then, you know, other officers across the country were doing the same thing as well. So, man, I appreciate you. That, that was, that was a lot more than I could do. Let me tell you that I, I wasn't, I'm not out there trying to, <laughs> trying to do that. Uh, yeah, I'll probably trip over my own feet and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, as you no, know, I'm a, I'm a, good memory, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a DJ. You see that little, uh, thing right there, that turntable right there. I'm a DJ on the side, so I play the music for y'all to dance to. It's funny because I actually told the students this morning when I did my presentation, I was like, "Man, in my next life, man, I would love to be a DJ." <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> instead of, I always been like that. When I was in high school, I was playing the, the music. I used to rap it a little bit, but I I was mostly a DJ. And then my boys would be out there uh, break dancing. I was like, "Nah, y'all can y'all can break your neck spinning on your head. I'll, I'll just play the music for you." <laughs> I'll yeah, play the music for you. Simple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's oh, what's up. Man. So, uh, you know, you, you had a real rewarding career as a, as a short career over there as an SRO. What else is more re, uh, rewarding about the job that that you know really stimulates you as a police officer? You know, uh, honestly, man, it's is really being able to see true impact. Um, you know, we, we always see on TV or Instagram or Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, we always see when stuff goes south, whether it be an officer involved shooting, whether it be an officer using excessive force. The stuff that we don't see is when officers do things the right way. And that actually happens way more than the other videos I just spoke about. And so, you know, when you when you, you know, go on to a call for a baby not breathing and you help bring that baby back to life or you know, you we, today, actually, uh, my unit that I'm in charge of, uh, we literally just took a guy that's been homeless off on our street and he's been a drunk for like 10 years. Uh, we took him to rehab facility today. And so that's what makes a lasting impact to me. Yes. And um, one of one of my students actually uh, last year, uh, he or when I was at SRO, he was shot and I was the first man on scene, first officer on scene. And so I took him to the hospital or help get him to the hospital as I was holding his chest and he ended up surviving. And so those yes. are things that uh, make me make this job worth it. Yeah. You know, we don't do it for the fame. We don't do it for the publicity. Uh, and that's what I always tell people. Like, you know, I showed a video last week of officers in Arizona when they responded to a hostage situation where a guy was holding his baby and he was shooting at people. And the officers did a phenomenal job when they showed up. And they were able to stop that guy and then retrieve the baby and then go into to daddy mode and start coddling that baby. So those are the things that make this job worth it. And that's why I always try to motivate all the other officers out there. Like the reason we signed up for this job is because we needed to be there for somebody in their darkest hour. And so that's what we'll continue to do is to answer that call. Absolutely. And I love platforms like yours and what I'm trying to do in mine to show uh, the positive interactions that law enforcement has out in the, in the community. Um, whenever you see us on the news or social media, it's, it's, it's something negative. Right. So, you know, whatever we can get that other side out there, 
you know, and, and that's not sexy. We know that for the media. But, uh, you know, we, we got to do our part to keep pushing that narrative that it's not all negative. It's not all negative out there. We 99.999% of us are out there doing good stuff every yeah. day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're human. I mean, we're going to make mistakes. It happens. Yeah, no doubt. And I think sometimes people get confused with that. I think they... A lot of times the narrative out there is that we're doing things or officers are doing things because they're racist and they have this, you know, um, you know, chip on their shoulder against other races or whatever it may be. But I can vouch and say, you know, that's not the case for 99.9 percent of people. Yeah. Usually when you see an officer do something that they shouldn't have been doing, it's just because either they're a bad officer or they did their training and, and tactics were just terrible. Um, and so that's usually what you see are usually the mistakes that they made. It's not because these officers are what the media is portraying us to be as like animals. And so that's why I do a lot of what I do on Breaking Barriers United is just education because, you know, I realized if I can actually educate you and walk you through some of these critical incidents and things like that, it kind of takes the wind out of your sail and you really can't say much else after that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And you guys get a lot of training in your own department. I know that's that's the big thing nowadays. Um, and and, and it, needs to be said as well, it needs to be done, the training, 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 training. Uh, you guys get a lot of good training uh, at your department. I know money's tight nowadays. How's it? Man, one thing I can say about my department is we've always been uh, ahead of the curve when it comes to our training, always. I mean, sometimes I remember when I first got there, I mean, we used to always be like, man, we train a lot. Like we, we it's like overkill. But, you know, being a little bit more mature now, being, you know, you know, getting older and getting more experienced, you know, you can never have enough training as an officer. And my department does a phenomenal job of staying ahead of trends and knowing what's coming, knowing what we need to be, you know, equipped on. One of the trainings we recently did um, was we showed up to, um, you know, a scenario and they say, hey, you know what, the call for services, your 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 partner just got done chasing this guy and he has him handcuffed and this is where the scenario starts. And so the scenario starts and you walk up and you see your partner hit somebody with a baton with them handcuffed and they want to see your response. And obviously the right response is go and stop them and pull them off. But you might ask, why is that, you know, why are we even, why do we even have to train like that? And what people don't realize is because until you were in a situation like that, where you see your partner doing something that's unethical, unmoral, Mm -hmm. how do you know how you're going to respond? Like that's something you need to train for too, because they're your partners at the end of the day. So like I said, my department's always been ahead of the curve when it comes to stuff like that. And, uh, I'm truly blessed to work for such an agency like the one I work for. Yeah, yeah. You know, playing devil's advocate on, you know, a scenario like you just said, um, because, you know, we'll do those training scenarios as well. But people would say that, of course, in training, you know, that's what you're going to do. You're going to walk up and tell tell your partner, hey, stop that, because you know that's what they want to hear in the training. But are you going to really do that in real life? The only way to know is whenever that person is put in that situation. Yeah. I will say, though, like, you know, one of the reasons we train is it's kind of similar to, you know, a critical incident where you've had a, you know, been involved in an officer involved shooting. They always say you'll never rise to the occasion. You're only going to fall back to your level of training. Well, the same thing holds true when it comes to things that are immoral and unethical is, you know, if you're not if you haven't put yourself in that spot and said, hey, what am I going to do if I see something that goes not to how it's supposed to go? Uh, you're going to go in fight or flight, which is either you freeze and don't know how to respond or you're going to react and say, hey, look, no, we're not doing that. And so, yeah, you know, you can have your devil's advocates all day that say that. But, hey, I would rather say, hey, at least we trained as an agency. At least we trained and this person knew exactly what they should and shouldn't be doing uh, as opposed to, hey, yeah, we never discussed that with our officers. And therefore, that's what they were out there on their own program. Right, right. And then, you know, with the uh, George Floyd thing, that's what, you know, the duty to intercede sort of thing. Um, but, you know, people do intercede. Officers do intercede on the daily all all across this country. And, of course, you just, again, you don't hear about it because, again, that's not sexy. That's not, I mean, you, what are you going to report on a, on a, I guess, a, a, a negative, you know, <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah, exactly. trying to prove a negative, you know what I mean? So that that's yeah. not what, you know, the news is going to glom onto is an officer stopped his partner from doing something, you know, that that's not going to happen. So, I mean, it is what it is, but that's what us officers are out there doing every day. You know, I, I tell my partners in a minute, hey, chill. You know, I got it. That's yes, it's that simple. Sometimes it's not that easy to, you know, for 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 the both of us, you know, we're veterans. We've been around a little bit. Um, but like the one of the officers over there at the George Floyd, you know, he was a rookie. 
and you know he, he, yeah, he tried exactly. to say something right and you yeah, know. exactly and I, and, I, and I was telling people that's tough like how do you as a rookie i mean you don't really know what's right what's wrong when you're a rookie you know what yeah. i mean so um yeah that's although that's you do know what's right and what's wrong right yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, from a moral and ethical standpoint, you know yeah. what's right and what's wrong. But as far as like training policy and things like that, you know, so, you know, did he have a duty to intercede? He, yes, he had a duty to intercede. But, you know, we can't, it's, it's not always cookie cutter like people to say. Chauvin, absolutely. Like that dude um, had no reason, no, no reason whatsoever to do what he did. And dude should never have been a cop. He should have been gone a long time ago. But some of the other guys, we got to, we got to be able to take a full, um, a full context picture and see, you know, like see what the full picture looked like before we can actually decide whether or not this person's intent was not to intercede or, or just to kind of go with the, the program. Right. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, you played ball in, in school, played football. What, what position were you? I was a DB, man. I was a DB. Uh, DB. Prima Donnas out there. Okay. Yeah, well, player. the Prima Donnas are the, are the receivers. So, <laughs> But but you know what they say about DBs? You know what they say about DBs? The receivers that can't catch. <laughs> hey man, one might argue. One might argue that fact. I mean, yeah. you, you know, prime time. Prime time was a, he was a receiver. But yeah, he yeah. Was, he was famous for his DB, and so he was yes. Madonna. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, yeah. When you talking about prime, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But you know, I just wanted to. You look good. You look good. You play good. You play good. They pay good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's him. That's him all day. Him all day. I love Dion, but, uh, you know, I bring that up because you were talking about, you know, uh, training and staying fit and all that. And, and us in law enforcement, we, you know, we, we got to stay fit. Sometimes it gets harder as you, as you get older and you get kids and, you know, the family and all that, um, you trying to stay fit yourself. How you doing that? Oh, absolutely, man. So, uh, I typically work out about four, four to five days a week. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I hate running. I'm not a, when I was in high school, I, I, I sprinted. So I was a, a sprinter. I did a lot of sprinting events. Uh, now I'm not doing any sprinting events, but what I do is I, I don't really do long runs, but I usually run about a mile every day. And then on like once a week, I run like two miles, but I run that two miles pretty fast. So I think last week I ran it, um, in like under 16 minutes. So it was like 15 and a half minutes. So I was moving. Um, and then I'll just try to eat better and then work out, do a lot of weightlifting and stuff like that. So uh, as I get older, I'm 33 going on 34 this year. got three kids. Uh, want to make sure that, you know, I could stay in the race, man. I don't want to end there the race go. because of something that I didn't do. Yeah, no doubt. I'm a little bit older than you. Just, just, just a tad. And, uh, you know, I still try to stay fit a little bit. You know, we opened up a, you know, with the gyms with COVID, they close, open, close, open, close. So the wife and I, we decided to, to make one at the house. So, you know, we, we got a nice. pretty good gym at the house now, so I don't have to worry about that. And, you know, just just trying to stay on top of that. You got to, you got to, not only just for law enforcement, but for life, right? Well, for life, and then going back to the law enforcement aspect, like we do ourselves a disservice to the people that we serve when we're not in physical shape. You know, it's not fair to them. Like, yeah, if they're fighting with you, they shouldn't be fighting with you in the first place. But it's not fair to them that, you know, if they fight with you and you start feeling like you're in danger for your life and you end up taking their life because they were on top of you, whatever it may be. When you could have maybe if you were in a little bit more shape, could have been able to use something that was less lethal to you know preserve their life. Because let's say they weren't in yeah. the right mental capacity uh, at the time of their interaction. So, um, you know, we it's a service to the people that we serve or it's a duty to the people that we serve. And so that's another reason why I try to maintain my level of fitness, because I don't want to uh, have to take another person's life because of my uh, being out of shape or I don't want to, you know, that day to come where I don't come home to my family because I wasn't in shape to fight for my yeah. life. Amen. Amen. And it could happen in, in a minute, you know, one minute, you, you know, uh, you talk to somebody in the next minute, you know, they, they get crazy on you and you, and you got to fight. Right. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. And speaking of which, uh, you know, we uh, another video I glommed from you uh, talking about these sorts of things and uh, in relation to breaking barriers, you know, uh, teaching the kids, you know, what we do on the daily. Here's another video, and we you can kind of walk us through this here. Check this out. Hey, what happened yesterday? Oh, uh, you know, officer, man, my girl was just tripping, man. She was she was on another one. You know, she was just tripping, but it's all good, man. Sure. Yeah, man. She's got, she was crying, man. She was just upset, man, because the Dodgers lost, and she's a Dodgers fan, and so I was just talking about, well, like, oh, your Dodgers lost heard, again. From what I've heard yesterday, you were beating her. Whoa. Why you got to get so aggressive with me, officer? Like, that's messed up. You mind if I just get my jacket? It's kind of cold. 
Yeah. I can get my, all right, cool. Hold on one second. So yeah, so what, what else can I do for you, officer? Well, I need you to help, I need to take you down and ask you some questions. Okay, for, for what, for the thing yesterday? Yeah. Okay. Hey, man, you guys do a phenomenal job, by the way. Man, Elsinore PD, man, you guys are on top of it, man. I just want to give you kudos. I don't know how you guys do the job that you guys do, man. It's phenomenal. So where, where do we got to go? Where's your car at? Over here. <laughs> All right, everybody, give a round of applause. So as you guys have just finished watching that scenario, one of the comments that I've gotten recently was that the scenarios that I present to students are very unrealistic. So what do, you, what do you think about that? Are they unrealistic? You can you can finish up here. Uh, they're definitely not re uh, unrealistic, man. That that scenario that we just watched actually was a situation that happened in Arizona. Uh, and I think, I don't know if it's that video. There's another video I actually show what I was referring to in Arizona where an officer responded to do a follow-up investigation to domestic violence. And the guy was cool, calm, and collected with the officer. And uh, unfortunately, that officer let that guy grab a jacket because it was cold outside. And when he grabbed that jacket, um, there was a pistol inside of it. And he pulled the gun out, shot the officer a couple of times and then uh, stood over him, executed him and then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. And so, you know, e even though when I do those scenarios, they seem like they're unrealistic. The one thing about our job, the unique thing about our job, is there's nothing unrealistic in this job whatsoever. Um, and that's because you're always dealing with the unknown. And when you're dealing with the unknown, uh, you can go on a call for service one time and it could be something that came from a movie. And so that's why it's always best to train as hard as we can uh, for the unknown uh, to the best of our ability, because you never know that might be us at any second. Yeah. And, and when you do that with, you know, with high school kids and, and how do a lot of them do? do? Do you have some that actually do pretty well in those or those scenarios? You know, surprise, surprisingly, sometimes I do, man. And, and you know what's crazy is a lot of times the ones that do really, really well are the ones that actually don't like cops like that. Oh, and okay. One of the things I've seen is is because they have a level of life experience um, that they've been afforded and they don't realize it. So I try to be that person that kind of sees it and draws it out of them and allows themselves to see like, man, I can actually go out there and be a part of the solution as opposed to the problem. And so, yeah, surprisingly so. Like uh, I remember doing a domestic violence one time uh, a scenario and the guy, the student, the role player that was doing it, man, did a phenomenal job with his command presence. And it was actually one of the most popular video videos I posted as well. So yeah, sometimes they do a really, really good job. Yeah. That's, that's dope. Do you have any, you know, when you first went in, they weren't thinking about, you know, law enforcement and then after, you know, kind of interactions like that, they're kind of thinking, you know, maybe law enforcement the in the future. All the time, because all it takes is for me to put them in the shoes of an officer so that way they can see themselves in, in, in that uniform. And then when they actually talk to me and, you know, I may sound like them or I dress like them or I think like them. That's all it takes, man. You just need one person to really just show them like, yeah, you can actually do this job. Uh, and then now it really just changes their whole mindset of what law enforcement is. And now, now they're out there uh, getting ready to go into the police academy themselves. Yeah, that's what's up. And and that's what it's all about, you know. And and for me, and it's not just uh to get people to be, you know, on the side of law enforcement, but again, just like you, you know, just let people understand us, you know, why we do what we're doing so that when they talk to us or when they see these situations, they can kind of understand and not, you know, F the police and we always doing wrong. They can kind of get, you know, both sides of the, the equation there. So that's what's up. Yep, it's good exactly. that you, you're getting that out. And, and you get that a lot. Uh, do you? I know you say you go to churches. Do you, uh, a lot of adults are they kind of getting that same experience and that same exposure, and they're kind of changing their minds as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there I've seen adults' mindsets change completely, three sixty. Um, I always talk about some of my success stories. There's a guy on my Instagram who's been following me since the time I, I very first started, and when he first started following me, he was one of my naysayers, and I I have. I like to call them my regular naysayers. Um, they'll follow me, the, everything I say or put out, and they always got something to say about it for the negative. Uh, but this guy, man, he's following me, and, and we occasionally will have dialogue, like really good constructive dialogue. So it was nothing where we're arguing, nothing like that. And slowly over time, what I've seen happen is uh, he will now start defending cops, and he'll post things on his own page 
uh, about officers doing things right or calling, you know, the, the suspects wrong or whatever it may be. And this is somebody that was always like a huge cop hater. And so um, those are some of my success stories. And that's happened quite a few times, man. So that those are the those are the situations and experiences for me that make me keep doing what I do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been on the department for seven years. What What's the future hold for you? I don't know, man. I, I definitely <laughs> want to continue to move on up. Uh, I'm going I'm to take, I'm going to go where the Lord leads me. Uh, I definitely would like to promote uh, one day, but for now, I'm going to just continue to stay in my assignment as a quality of a corporal, the quality of life team, and uh, really try to change the quality of life in the city of Chino for the better and uh, and elevate that team. So that way, because if our team is elevated, then that means the community is elevated. So yeah. we'll see what God has in store for me. That's for sure. Absolutely. What's what's the prospects for have you know in your department? Had there been you know many minority, particularly African American uh, officers in admin, you know, lieutenant and above? Uh, only one in history, and he's actually one of my mentors, and he actually retired last July. So uh, Rodney Lombard, good friend of mine, like family, and he was the first African American to promote to the lieutenant, the rank of lieutenant, and so. Um, you know, my goal is to go and, and be the second or third or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we definitely need to see people of color, um, you know, get into this profession and want to have success within the profession. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's kind of the demographics of, of Chino? Um, it's a large it's kind of weird. So um, predominantly speaking, it's probably Hispanic. But you know, on the south end of our city, we're actually getting a larger Asian population because we got a lot of newer homes coming up and and uh, things like that. The amount of African Americans, very very small percentage of people, and um, so yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's the the, the city is continuing to evolve. <laughs> it is, it is. It, Chino's growing that, and and your neighbor in Chino Hills as well, always growing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, and I asked that to see, you know, if your department kind of mirrors the community. It does. Uh, no. It, yes and no. I mean, we have a large mm-hmm. Caucasian community as well. Um, I don't wouldn't say Caucasian is the most more dominant um, race in the city, but Caucasian is a more dominant race in our department. So I wouldn't necessarily say it completely mirrors it. But, you know, we're definitely taking steps in the right direction to make sure that our department can mirror the community as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's kind of par for the course in our in our profession. It's mostly Caucasian dominated profession, male dominated profession. Uh, you guys are taking steps to recruit more minorities, more women, more uh, uh, gays, lesbians and all that sort of things in, in your department as well. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely open-minded, man. And like I said, if you're qualified to do the job, then you know there's nothing that should disqualify you because of who you are as a person yeah. in your private life. Absolutely, and uh, you know we got to try to go out there and, and recruit more. That that's kind of what we're trying to do in my department as well. Actually, trying to go out there and be purposeful and trying to recruit minorities. So you, you know you got to have it in your mindset that that's what you want to do from the top down, and then to make that happen. Exactly. 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 All right, Ryan, I appreciate you for coming on. You know, a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good info. We we saw some of your some of your videos and, you know, <laughs> some of your dance moves. Right. Hey, hey you know what, man? If anybody needs a, a lesson, you know, I, I teach dance on the weekend. So <laughs> I'll let your boy. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But uh, no, it was a true it was a true honor, man, coming on. I know we've been talking about doing this for a while, man. So I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. Uh, it's all it's all good, man. We we both busy, man. I understand. I appreciate you, but you're not out of here yet, man. I, you know, there's a game that you got to play with me in this game here. It's called. Uh, Dancing with the stars, my brother. Since since you a dancer, I cater this <laughs> this game towards you. I love it. Yes, I what love I'm gonna it. do is I'm gonna show you some clips of some celebrities dancing. You're not gonna be able to see their faces, and I want you to guess who that dancer is. I'm gonna I'm I'm do terrible, <laughs> but I, I, I want you I, to get I, more I, right I, than you get wrong, and uh, I, I think I, you could do it. I am terrible with names. No, I, I, I know you know. I know you could do this. Here's your first one. 
Who do you think that was? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to say uh, J-Lo. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. That's Paula Abdul. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, for one. Already started off. This is already yeah, uh, off. Uh, we, we got you, though. We got you. Check this one out. Oh, that's got to be uh, James Brown. That is James Brown. <laughs> yeah. So could you do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. All day. All day. All day. <laughs> all right. One for one. Here's your next one. Who do you think that was? I'll I'm give you a hint. Chris Breezy. Chris Brown. That is, that is Breezy. Yes, two for one. All right, see, we we get we get you through this. Here's your next one. Oh, I know you know that move. I'm gonna go with I, I'm gonna go with Janet Jackson. That is Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's your next one, bro. Here's your next one. Who's that? Well, I'm going to say Usher. That is Usher. Usher, baby. <laughs> All right, see? See? This is not as hard as you thought it was, right? <laughs> Here's your next one. Not to, not, to, not, not to make this racist, but you notice I get all the black people right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paula Abdul had a little son. I think she had a little black in it. I don't know. <laughs> she had a little sister. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Here's your next one. That's that, Mike. that was not Mike. That is Boogaloo Shrimp from Breaking. You ever see that movie? No. No. Mike move though. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. That. That was. That was a classic movie. You. You need to get on Breaking. Him and uh, Shabadoo. They used to do the pop locking. Oh. That's, that, I know that's before your yeah, time, but come on now. That. That's. That's. That's classic. Classic. <laughs> Here's your next one. Okay. Four for two. I'm gonna go with Michael again. Michael, that is not Michael. That's John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Come on, let's catch you back up. Let's catch you back up. Come on, here we go. Oh, okay, that's Michael. Who's that? Only one that wore socks like that was Michael Jackson. That is Michael Jackson. <laughs> I knew he was right. up. I knew he Yeah, you, you knew he had to be cool. You knew it. You knew it. Here's your next one. You guessed it earlier. You get who? Yep, J Lo. That is J Lo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couple more here for you. Here's your next one. That's real old school. My man's name. Yep, I can't remember my man's name though. He's a tap dancer. Yeah, give, uh, give, give me, give, give me, give me something. First name, last name starts with a. I can't. You, I can't do it. I. I you gotta give it to me. Fred Astaire. Yep. Yep. <laughs> tap dancer. That's a, yeah, Yep. Yep. And here's your last one. And you better get this one. You better get this one. Oh, MC Hammer, baby. Come on now. <laughs> Hammer <time>. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's Hammer time. I played up. Yeah. That's why I said you better get it because you did that move in your you did that move in your video. <laughs> so I played football with his nephew. Oh, okay. All right. All right. You got more right than you got wrong, so we're going to call you the winner. Go up. <laughs> yeah, you the you the winner. You got you got through it. You I think you got like almost 60-40, something like that. 
I didn't keep count, but uh, you, you got more right than you got wrong. So I think I missed. I missed four. You missed like four. Yeah, I missed four. Got six. Yeah. How many yep. were ten? There were eleven. Yeah, I got six out of. No, so I you got, got seven, seven, I think I got seven, seven out of eleven. Yeah, seven. So yeah, yeah, you did, you did good on that, man. Hey, so hey, you, you know your dancers. Hey, 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 that's a pass. That's a pass. <laughs> <laughs> now you did good. You oh, you, you missed John. You, you need to get on that breaking, and you need to watch John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, right? And and you knew kind of knew Fred Astaire. No, you did, I, yeah, I knew all my folks though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, you did, you did. You get, you need to be cultured, <laughs> branch out, man. Think outside the box, right? <laughs> Like right now, you in the box. Think outside the box. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so good, man. I appreciate you for coming on, Ryan. This was, was fun, and uh, and this will be out soon in a couple of weeks. I'll be sure to let you know, man. But uh, tell everybody how to reach you on Instagram. Yeah, you guys can follow me for sure at uh, Breaking Barriers United on Instagram. Uh, you guys can follow me on Facebook. Same thing, TikTok, Officer Tillman. And then uh, got a podcast called It's Needed, which I got to get you on there, Dale. Uh, but I got a co- podcast called It's Needed, hashtag It's Needed. So, uh, yeah, check me out on those, uh, Check me out on there, man. You guys can find me and also on YouTube under Breaking Barriers United. All right. What, what do you guys kind of topics you guys handle on uh, on the, your podcast on It's Needed? Uh, it's, uh, we talk about real issues involving law enforcement in the community. So very similar to this. Um, but we just very, we keep it, you know, trans, 100% transparent. So sometimes you, we, we give people, we, this past week, we had a discussion about the thin blue line and uh, qualified immunity uh, and, my, and my thoughts on things like that. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely talk about real issues and we do breakdowns. Sometimes we did a breakdown of the Jacob Blake situation, Breonna Taylor and things like that. All right. Be sure to check that out, everybody out there. Hashtag is needed. Uh, Ryan, it was a pleasure, man. I appreciate you. You the man. Thank you, man. Dale, appreciate you, Rand. Always love you, man. Love you, and we'll uh, talk soon for sure. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank my guests on this episode, Corporal Ryan Tillman of the Chino, California Police Department, and also Breaking Barriers United for joining me on this episode. Man, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. I appreciate you. Be safe. And if you guys out there enjoyed this episode as well, make sure you like and subscribe to the show on the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel or whatever podcast platform you hear my voice today. I'll be back next time with another interesting guest. Same black time, same black channel. But till then, y'all already know. Stay black in blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. Thank you.